My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. Wednesday, December 19th, 2018. This is Messiah Matters number 246. New art, new music. Must be a new season. My name is Caleb Hegg. That's over to you, Rob. My name's Rob, and <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Uh, so I decided that Rob needed to help with the intro. Uh, to, to date, he has not remembered one time that he needed to help with the intro. No, last, last week you... You I told you me. in advance. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him someday. We'll, we'll get him going on the new intro. Oh, uh, we do have new, new art. Thank you very much to uh, Michael Gonzalez for getting us up and running with new art. And we're going to have new, uh, hopefully by the end of today, which it is, as I just said, Wednesday, December 19th. Did I say 18th on the intro? It's the 19th. Anyway. Um, anyway, we should have our producer credit re-uploaded with new art. So hold off on that. Uh, I know I've been getting some emails from people saying, when's the new art going to be up? When can we buy new producer credits? And so hang in there. It'll be there soon. Um, yeah. Congratulations to the Takaks for having a new baby. Just saw it today. They got a new uh, a new little boy. I'm not positive. I think that's they have a lot of kids. It's like eight, uh, maybe seven, eight, or nine. I don't know. I don't know what number this is. I should know. I, you know, this is my bad. But being in in different communities, various communities throughout my life, meeting so many people, going to different conferences, going to you know to lecture in different places. Um, number nine. Paul Archer says it's number nine. Thank you, Paul. Um. I've pretty much made it a policy, and this is no offense to children out there. I love kids, especially mine. But um, I've decided that after a person has two children, that's where I stop learning names. I mean, <laughs> you got two kids. I can probably handle it. I'll try to remember the two kids' names. after. I mean, there are people I've known for years have my own cousins. My aunt has 10 children. The aunt... She did this, you know, they, my, my aunt and uncle did this thing where uh, they uh, they do the J names. Every, every child starts with a J. Oh, man, that's tough. So they got J Mark, Josiah, Jesse, Jason, so on and so forth. And I know, you know, I, I know I'm not going to keep going because I know about five to six names out of the 10 kids. After that, it's like, I, you know. How much can you, you know, the other thing is, is that how, then the names get, and no offense to anyone who did the J name thing, but then, you know, after about six or so, you're, you're getting into like Jezebiah, 
Jehoshaphat. <laughs> you know, you're all over the place. You're really stretching for names. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh. Well, my. I can tell already. I can tell already that that uh, Rob is on the chat room. No, I have. I do not have it open. I do not. I, I do not have it open. What I what I'm laughing at is because I joked to Caleb this morning. I said we got to do a, a Rob's Gamatria time, which we haven't done for a long time. I don't. Even, I don't even think I have the music for that. Anymore. Come on, man. I honestly don't think I have the music for it. Well, I'll, I'll look. Uh, already the, cha- the chat room. The chat room has already. Has already start has already shot off. Check this out. We got a, a comment in here. This is not planned, by the way. Do you believe that there is an economic subordination in the Godhead? Yes and no. No, there's no. Uh, what do you mean subordination? Economic support? No, I would I would say that uh, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all equal. Uh, however, uh, as we read last week, was it last week? Yeah, we read last week, Philippians two. Did not, you know, Yeshua did not think it necessary to retain his position with God, but emptying himself came in the form of a servant. So Yeshua has given up his his uh, omnipresence. He's given up his his uh, his God his his position with God, and came in the form of one of the uh, of one of the creatures from the dirt, as Sprawl so rightly says. And uh, being seen in the form of a servant, lowered himself, even to death on an execution stake. Uh, I think I think that uh, when we when we really try to get into Trinitarian thought, I affirm the Trinity. By the way, a lot of people don't may not know that about me. I affirm the Trinity. However, I think that when we try to um, box God into when we try to explain it, we inevitably come up with problems. In that Yeshua is uh, Yeshua is Yodhevavhe, the Father is Yodhevavhe, the Holy Spirit is the Father's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is also Yeshua's Spirit. Yet this Holy Spirit uh, is given personal pronouns. You know, at the end of Luke, he says, "I have to leave so that I can send the Helper." We know from other right. places that the Helper is another is, Comforter. Yeah, right. Uh, comforter. <clears throat> so, um, who will testify? So, is a, in other words, the Holy Spirit is also a witness. Um, yeah. That, so uh, he he uh, he, he uh, Joshua in the chat room clarifies his question more, which is good because uh, we need a little clarification. He says, "I am a Trinitarian, but my question is regarding: Does the Son answer to the Father, but the Father not answer to the Son?" Well, this is a this is an excellent question. While Yeshua was here on Earth, certainly uh, he gave up his his uh, attributes, right? And uh, he gave up his glory. He says in the prayer in, in the garden, he says, restore me, restore the glory that I had before, right? I think that he was glorified. Now, Yeshua prays, he, and he prays, we know that he prays for the elect in the throne room of God. One thing that my father has always taught. Right, and we need, that's going to come back today, I think, in our later discussion, but right. good. One, one, uh, one thing that my father has, has preached time and time again, which I agree with, is that uh, every prayer that, that Yeshua makes is answered in affirmative by the Father. So is that subordination to the Son? I don't think that it's a... I don't think it's it a... Says sub- they're a chad. They're yeah, one. they're one. You know, we see the Father in the Son. Uh, this is a conversation that my father and I had when I was trying to uh, describe what I believed of the Trinity. 
I said, uh, you know, I was asking if the father, you know, the, the father wasn't, wasn't uh, in the burning bush. It was the Holy Spirit. And he said, no, Yeshua was in the burning bush. The Holy Spirit was in the burning bush. And the father was in the burning bush. You cannot separate the three. They're all one. It's the same. It's the same with Yeshua, right? We see, we see it. Is it in Titus or is it, uh, I think it's in Titus. Uh, maybe it's in Philippians again, but in uh, where he says uh, that the fullness of deity dwells in him. What does that mean? Colossians, yeah. Colossians, thank you. The fullness of deity dwells in him. Um, once again, when we get into the idea of Trinitarian thought, or even, and this is a good one because uh, this goes back to you know I have discussions on a regular basis with with uh, people who who don't believe in the deity of the Messiah. Um, when we try to take the deity away from Yeshua, then ultimately what we're doing is degrading the scriptures. We're saying that we don't believe in the scriptures, ultimately. Right. Now, a lot of people are going to balk at that, especially my friends who don't believe in the deity of the, of the Messiah. But I'll give you a for instance, and this is one that I brought up to one of my friends last, uh, last <laughs> Shabbat, uh, who doesn't believe in the deity of the Messiah. I asked about the Philippians passage, right? In, in Philippians 2, um, and I think it's around verse 10, I could be wrong, but Philippians 2, it's this hymn, right? Let this thinking be in you, it starts with, or let this be of your, let your mind be of this. Um, and it, it goes on and it says, I believe in verse 10, to at the name of Yeshua, he's been given a name above all names, it says that, and then it says, at the name of Yeshua, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is curious, that he is Lord. Okay, now, where is Paul referencing from? Isaiah 45. And what happens in Isaiah 45? God is adamant. There is no other God but me. There is none. You're not to worship anyone else. There is no one under heaven besides me. I am the only one. He's emphatic time and time and time and time and time again. Why? Because in that at the name of yod heh vav heh every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that I am, and in the Septuagint, that I am Kurios. Now, the, what I brought up to my friend is, why would Paul attribute this specific scripture and say that something would happen to Yeshua that, that God, in Isaiah 45, says will be done to no one else except for him? So, uh, we lost. Hang on, just a sec. I'm, I'm. I don't have Rob's uh, audio. No, I, I muted here. it. Yeah, I had to clear my throat, and I forgot to re unmute it. <laughs> it's the same thing where you see the scripture like uh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So you'll see that in the apostolic writings. But if you look it up in the Tanakh, it's Yodhevave, right? But it's clearly applying it to Yeshua. So here, here's the thing is, even from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, Genesis 1, we have Elohim, right? Then Genesis 2, we get Adonai Elohim or yod heh Elohim. And then there's times we have yod heh there's times we have Elohim, right? The idea is, and then we have the the burning bush. I am Elohei Avraham, right. Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov. He's revealing who himself, right? And in Yeshua is the we have the full revelation of Yod Vavi. And it's as Yeshua commands us at the end of uh commanded his disciples at the end of Matthew. Right. In the name of the Father, of the Son, 
The Ruach HaKodesh is, that's one name, but he says, this is how you are to think about the Godhead. Anyway, good, good stuff. So, uh, so we got a lot, man, we start the show and instantly the chat room is, is, uh, has taken over our, our show notes and has a changed conversation. This is fantastic. I love it when this happens. Okay. Uh, Nisa, let's start with Nisa. She says, how does that, the, the use of language work for the idea that the subordination is only on earth? Well, because he talks about giving up his glory and he talks about re, uh, regaining his glory, mm-hmm. right? Um, he says all that the father, uh, says I do. He, I mean, there's, there's multiple instances where we see subordination, right? And then, um, and then he's glorified again. And we're told throughout the scriptures that he is given the the name above all names. What is the name above all names? yod heh So Yeshua is given the name yod heh Alyssa says, so then how do you argue that Paul and even Yeshua are not blasphemers? This is a fantastic question. The only way that you can say that they're not blasphemers is if Yeshua is yod heh if he's not if if Yeshua is not Yod Hey Vav Hey in the flesh, dwelling among us on earth, then Paul and Yeshua are blasphemers. But then you get back to like John ten, right, where he says, uh, you know, I and my Father are one, one. and they, they say they're accusing him of blasphemy. So the point that's not a new, that's not. I mean, that question goes all the way back to the first century with with in Yeshua's lifetime in the incarnation, people stubbing their toe against this this issue is he who he says he is uh jc says the end of matthew was added according to the nasb i think you might mean mark yeah that's a mistake yeah that's a mistake uh if you're talking about baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit uh is in mark mark 16 verse 8 on or 16 verse 9 on is you'll see uh, like NASB or other Bibles will have a little flag there and tell you, yeah, this is not in, it's like that passage from Luke, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? You'll see a little tag. I'll say, you know, early manuscripts do not contain this verse kind of thing. Uh, it, the the reference in the, um, uh, in Matthew that I, I've actually had people tell this to me. Oh, the, the, the uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was added later. No, it wasn't. It's no, in no. every. It's in every early That's manuscript solid. that we have. It's solid. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> oh man, I love it when things like that happen. Okay, we're uh, we're very grateful to. Uh, oh, yeah. And actually, now that uh, that has all passed, let's uh, go ahead and uh, roll producer credits. Uh, we're very happy to all of our producers for uh, their support of this show. And uh, after today, as I've already said, uh, you'll be able to purchase producer credits for the uh, for the winter quarter. And January to March, yeah. Uh, you can tell that I've redone all of, my, uh, all of my graphics. I'm sorry to my producers for that going so quickly. I will slow it down for next show. And also, we should also say that our supporters, and when I say supporters... Uh, you can support this show for as little as five dollars a month. That's right, for the less for the price of a latte from Starbucks, you can support this show and then get access to Messiah Matters More, which is a page with extra content on it, which we will be recording something for today. So if you're a supporter and haven't seen anything up there in a couple weeks, uh, don't worry, we're we're on it. We're gonna record something later today, and you should see it up there at least by tomorrow. Okay, with all that said, let's jump right into it. Um, we got a uh, a 
a note from a listener and and a supporter who uh, is he's always he's always uh, challenging us on on good things. Uh, I enjoy. I'm not going to name names here. I don't want to call anybody out, but um, we've uh, we've received a lot of notes from him, and uh, I always. It's both and. I'm always very excited to see his emails, and I'm always like, uh-oh, what did I say? <laughs> Which is good. He's keeping us sharp, right? Um, anyway, so he wrote in, and he said there was a passing comment that Rob made last week, and that passing comment was that, um, well... Well, the question was, did I hear you write that uh, Yeshua, that Yeshua did not die for all, right. for everybody? And that came in a con- the the context of that, if I remember, was my discussion with the Mormon kids slash quote elders, right? Um, that said Jesus. They said Jesus died for everyone, um, and that's that was that donut. Like like God offered a donut to everybody, and if, if you don't eat it, it's on you. But those who choose to eat the donut get the benefits. Um, so. And and so that was a, a good question because I it, it we didn't make that the main topic and so it seems like uh, I think there was another we got more than one ping on that and it's like okay we should go back and and talk about that and one of the things that it prompted me to do was to I was just thinking of that and I was like you know I could just make this little cute acronym right case C A S E. And it's, it, you know, if it's helpful, fine. If it's not helpful, you don't need to use it. But I was thinking in terms of what Yeshua accomplished. I thought, you know, there's four core things, and maybe you could think of a fifth. But I thought of four that I think are really important for us to grasp and that I believe that can be defended with Scripture. And so it's C-A-S-E, and so the cute title was the case of Messiah's sacrifice, right? The C-A-S-E. And the C is complete, the A is accepted, the S is substitutionary, and the E is uh, efficacious. And so, it sounds funny, it's got like this tulip thing, but that, but complete meaning it was a complete whole, so that what Yeshua accomplished was complete, right? In other, he didn't leave anything undone, right? And he didn't do too much, right? It was, a, it was complete and whole. That's the C. A acceptable, meaning it was acceptable. The offering was accepted by the by the Father. The Father accepted it. In other words, it, it didn't have any blemish in it. It didn't have any reason to be rejected. It was actually accepted by the Father. S that it was substitutionary. That like all the uh, well, many of the of the sin offerings and and things where there's a death, substitutionary so too Messiah's offering was a substitutionary sacrifice. In other words, right. it wasn't for himself. Right. It was a substitute for something else. And that, that, was a, that, that because it was complete and because it was accepted by the Father and because it was substitutionary, that means it was effective, it was efficacious. It affected that transaction. In other words, a transaction actually took place. There was an actual redemption that was accomplished. And I think that if you take those four pieces together, C-A-S-E, complete, accepted, substitutionary, and efficacious, that it 
it can't be. You can't accept that and say that that Messiah died for everybody. Uh, that's my position. On that. So, so there's a lot going on here, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, first of all, in uh, the small group that I'm a part of, I've been writing notes on Acts, and I actually wrote a quite a lengthy um, uh, set of notes on basically the work that Yeshua did in the in the uh, heavenly temple uh, when he you know when he died, and then when he ascended, and how this is how the ascension is just as vital to our our salvation as the death itself and the resurrection itself. So all three play together uh, within our salvation at equal levels. If you take one out, you don't have salvation. Um, so I got a lot of things going on in my in my mind right now. Um, we've had this kind of conversation before when we've talked about the doctrines of grace, and this is a perfect time for me to plug my upcoming uh, two-part series that's going to be coming out in the next couple of months uh, titled The Doctrines of Grace which I taught in Ontario. And um, so I cover a lot of this. And I saw that um, PJ in the, uh, in the chat room uh, actually posted some, some verses that I, uh, that I cover in there. Um, I think that we could approach this multiple ways because uh, there are things that we've never covered on this show that have to do with the idea of did Christ die for all? So there's mo there's three main there's three main uh, and I, I kind of want to uh, you've said a lot and and I completely agree with you I want to pull back a little bit and kind of lay out for all of our listeners kind of the different arguments that go on and then we're gonna look at some uh, scripture that we've never looked at before at least not on this show and um, and we're going to kind of unwrap that so there's three main uh, views here. Uh, there's the universalism, which is the idea that, and we, especially in our day and age within believing communities, this is one of the, uh, one of the, uh, theologies that's really actually taking hold in, in Christianity, which is, I think, very sad. It's the idea that, that Christ not only came and died for everyone, but that everyone's saved. I actually had a conversation with someone recently who said that, oh yeah, um, even Hitler will be in, in uh, heaven at some point. Um, and this kind of is wrapped up in what I would consider more of a uh, Catholic purgatory idea. You go and you pay for your sins for a certain amount of time. But in the end, after everyone kind of pays the price for all their wrongdoing, some longer than others, then they eventually get you know brought up into heaven and, and uh, pat on the back and you're washed clean and everything's everything's good. The, that was, the Mormon kids had a thing like that. They said, yeah, Hitler will just, he won't be with the super righteous because that would make him uncomfortable. So he'll be a place where he's comfortable. And I was just like, this is weird. Right. But they said, yeah, he, he died for everybody. And so he affected. Uh, well, and we, as we talked about last week, you know, uh, Mormonism doesn't have a hell. They have three levels of heaven ruled by each member of the Trinity. Right. And the highest level is the father. And it, it, I, I forget if this is part of it, but I don't know if you can move up within heavens. I think you can, but I, I, I would have to go it's back. It's a caste and, system. Right. <laughs> so this is universalism, that not only did Christ die for everyone, but Christ... Uh, Christ's death affected salvation for everyone. It's just when that uh, salvation is going to take effect. So that's one view. The other view would be an Arminian slash, uh, uh, well, yeah, Arminian is probably the best way to free will model. We could call it a free will model. But um, this is that 
Uh, Christ came. He died. His death was for everyone, but didn't actually pay anyone's price. But not everybody, well, not everybody chose it. Well, the point is, is that when he died, it didn't affect anyone's salvation until they respond. Right. And now, so it's a particular. Well, uh, no. Armenians we, are, are an example of a particular. They're not universal. They, they correct, agree that correct, not everybody's correct, saved. Correct. Right. However, it's different than, than uh, we, we need to be careful because the language, when we say particular, particular redemption is one of the five doctrines of grace. Right. Um, so we just the idea be, is where they they just draw the circle around a different group of people. Why? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So say the Calvinists. So, but to me, the biggest problem that I have with this is that uh, you know, and and actually, PJ's quote of John six uh, six forty four is is a good one. Um, the, the biggest problem that I have with this is that I see this as a works based salvation. Now, I know that uh, my my brothers and sisters who believe in in Armenian theology and or a free will model, whatever you want to say would fight this, they would say, no, it's not really a work. Well, do I have to do something to be saved? The answer is yes. I have to respond to the the call. Those who do not respond in faith are not saved. To me, that is a works-based salvation. I don't believe in works-based salvation. I believe that no one comes to the Father, but unless no one comes to me unless the Father draws him, right? In other words, faith is a gift. Um, so, well, so back th- to John, is it John 10? He says, you, you do not believe me because you are right. not my sheep. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's simple. There's no way that they believe they're going to believe because they're not of his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. It's, uh, uh that's a, a real pointed way, you know, one of the many. Okay. So, uh, so it, that thought. In Ontario, the main verse that I center on for my, my discussion is actually the what is known as the golden chain. We'll review the golden chain just very quickly here, which is Romans 8.20. It's actually 29 through 30, but we'll start in uh, Romans 8.28 and go through 30. I'm reading out of the ESV here. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Um, the point here is that those who, whom he foreknew, and I take this as covenant language, right? To know someone, not have knowledge of, because God has knowledge of everyone. Rather, this foreknew is that he had co- he, he had covenant relation before with them, even before they knew that they were going to have it. Right, he because he predestined them, and what does right. this result in in the end? Justification and glorification. So we know that this is not everyone. Um, this is how I see it, and therefore the third and final main view on this is what Rob and I hold to: particular redemption, which is that Yeshua's death atoned for the sins of the elect only. That he did not come to die for the whole world; he came to die for the elect the gift that was given to him by the Father before the foundations of the world. Now, instantly people will bring up several verses, um, and those are the verses that we are going to now stop and go look at. Um, hang on just a sec. I want to go back. Okay, good. So let's. Uh, the chat room is having a fantastic conversation, which I, I like. I always like that. 
Um, and we got really, really great people in the in the chat room. So if you ever have a chance on a Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, nine thirty Pacific Standard Time, AM, stop on by and jump in. Okay. <laughs> um, let's start then. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Okay. Let's start then with first John two, one through three. Um, so as I just said, our theology, I'll restate it again. So people have, you know, hear it again and, and fully understand. We believe in particular redemption, which means that Yeshua came to die only for the elect, only for those whom he predestined to justification and to glorification. Okay. With that said, let's read first John two, one through three, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father. Yeshua, the Messiah, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So obviously, uh, especially from the ESV and, and I would even say from the Greek, it seems like what I just said about particular redemption is contradicted here in 1 John 2. 2 is actually the verse. Um, would you like to start or would you like me to? I forgot to type it in onto my computer, so I was just listening. Um, oh yeah, so so the idea of he's the propitiation for our sins, not for uh, not for ours only, but for those of, of the whole world. Right. Um, I understand this in the context of John uh, coming from the Jewish background, and he is a, part of his explanation here is that this is not just a, a message for Jews right and for our yes. little community in the Jewish world this yep we, we can't let those uh, those traditions of walls between uh, Jews and non-jews and our fear of of communicating and connecting with non-jews be a governing factor in the gospel that's like putting the light under the bushel the, book, right. the light needs to go out and back to the end of Matthew, right? This is fulfilling covenant promise. It goes back to Abraham that the core gospel in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And this is Yeshua is equipping his disciples. And John is writing from the perspective of this is the mission. The mission is bringing the light of Yeshua, which is a promise of the blessing of the spirit to Abraham. It's a reason why Abraham has the name Abraham and not Avram, Right. I mean, that's the core. And so this just means this is a message for the whole world. This does not in any way mean, I mean, the only other way you could take it is that universalist, but the, but, but an Arminian is not universalist. So, so this issue, if you take whole world, if we just take this is that Yeshua died for the whole world and here it is, that's not an, don't confuse that and think you're an Arminian. What you're doing is you're actually taking a universalist perspective. Or you're going to say that Jesus' uh, propitiation did not actually accomplish anything specific for anybody specific. Right. But it was like for he died for somebody, maybe somewhere, um, for the option. And, and obviously that's not true because there's, how can we use the word redemption or purchase or um, deliverance, right? These are all literal transactions that happen or his so, word it is finished no. means that he, it's accomplished what's accomplished? That, the promise of yeshua said you know if yeshua said he's going to be you know the son of man's going to be handed over to gentiles 
right? He's going to be crucified. Well, that's all prophecy. That means people are going to behave a certain way. He's going to be rejected. He, uh, and then, you know, so is he, how does he know in advance? How does, how does he know in advance that he's going to die on the cross? Maybe there's a chance. There might be a chance that everybody's going to believe. No, the fact of the matter is this is known from the foundation of the world. So, uh, so yeah, so it is a, a particular redemption or defined atonement, right? Rob, Rob and I were discussing before this show how many listeners were uh, we would lose <laughs> from having this conversation. One thing that Rob and I uh, have always said is we don't care. Uh, we will, we will, we will, we will continue to uh, speak and teach and preach what we believe is, is, is the word says. It doesn't matter how many people listen or not. So if you're offended by it, I apologize that you are offended. But I don't really care. Um, we can well, always so, and back to the intercession verse, right? We have it in Romans. It says the Spirit. Back to the Romans eight. If you look at that larger passage, the Spirit intercedes for us. Right. He says Messiah intercedes for us. He says both. Right. He says that Messiah intercedes and the Holy Spirit intercedes in Romans. And then we have it in, in, in the epistle of Hebrews, right? He ever lives to intercede for, for his people. Right. Okay, so if Yeshua's prayers are answered, then that accomplishes, that secures the salvation of the individuals for whom Yeshua prays. Right, exactly. He's not praying for anonymous. <laughs> Yeshua's not like. Um, oh, I love that. I pray for dude. That all is a shirt everywhere. idea. That's a shirt idea. He's not praying for anonymous. <laughs> it, it, it's it's no no. Otherwise, how could Paul write in the end of Galatians two? He loved me and gave himself for me. And this is you know how many 10, 20 years after the ascension, Paul had been quite the sinner, quite the zealous for the Torah in the wrong way for in brutal ways and Yeshua had already was already interceding for him on uh before the father for maybe over 10 years in earthly time and then Paul it clicks and he realizes Yeshua paid for my sin and I was still in the depths of despair and I just didn't know it I thought I was all holier than thou no he 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 loved me he died for me not for just option to be saved anybody who wants a donut what we got uh, we we got fantastic uh, the chat room is in rare form i'm today. so tempted but i'm like don't okay. do it i'll read i'll read you a couple of these um Alyssa says and this is a fantastic question one that i've been asked many times how do we know if we're the elect let's go back i want to let's go back you know what i don't need to tell you this because guess who does john says it specifically my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate have with the Father, Yeshua, the Messiah, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him and know him is not know about him. We're to, we are seeing covenant relationship, personal one-on-one -on -one relationship language here with the Messiah, with the Father. So let's, I, 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 I don't want to, uh, to reword the Bible, but let me clarify this uh, as how I see John saying this. And by this, we know that we have covenant relationship with him. If we keep his commandments. Now, 
I'm sure what the next question, the, let me anticipate the next question. Well, there are plenty of people who keep the commandments of God, but don't believe in Yeshua. And I would say, no, we see this in Isaiah, right? Stop bringing in your stinking sacrifices. Why? Because keeping the commandments is not an outward thing. Just because I wear tzitzit, just because I keep a kosher diet, just because I, you know, I don't murder, I, you know, I'm faithful to my wife. Those are actually pretty easy. Right. I mean, just not, you know, limiting your diet and uh, maybe having certain ways of wearing clothes. Those are easy. The hard easy. thing is lo- like the, what is the weightiest matters of the Torah? It's love of heart. God. Right. Uh, get the plank out of your own eye. Right. Before you go around telling other people that they've got problems, you know. And, that, and, and, lo- and loving other people, genuinely loving other people from a gospel perspective. This is difficult, it's hard, and we can only do it with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, brother. Okay. Because it's the work, uh, because it's fulfilled, back to the promise of Abraham, right? That the, if the light is going to go out into the world, this is part of God's plan. It's not limited to our little mini lifetime here. And our it's 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 amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's such an honor and a privilege and a joy. And you know, we see more and more how just the magnitude of Yeshua's grace and his strength and his power. Right. I mean, it's just so so yeah. okay, hang on. We got we got a lot more to uh, to talk about in the chat room here. Um is not Israel the elect as well? This actually goes back to yes, and and Israel is is used in two different ways within the scriptures. I believe that is a temporal Israel. That is the nation of Israel, um, and the nation of Israel is seen as non-believing a lot of the time, right? Um, that they will fall away. That in the last time they'll come to to faith in the Messiah, right? However, at the same time, there's the spiritual or the, what is called the remnant of Israel. The remnant of Israel is seen, the first fruits of the remnant of Israel are the believing Jews. That is the ethnically Jewish people who believe that the Messiah is Yeshua and come to faith in him. And from that, we also have Gentiles who then attach themselves to this remnant and become part of Israel. There's, and then later Jews that come into faith through those Gentiles. Absolutely. In other words, the, there's that first fruits was that first century, right? Um, right. Yeah. Good, okay. Good so, stuff. and and this is this is something that we're going to talk about. Well, in, back to Romans. He says, "Is it Romans nine? Not all Israel is Israel." I mean, so right. he starts to talk about election versus earthly works. You know. So this person, and then and then unashamed says, uh, "Are you guys Calvinists?" Well, this is a this is a great question. I would I I try to stay away from the idea of uh, or from the label Calvinist and I'll, and I'll tell you why. However, to your question, yes, I would say that we're Calvinists, but I would I would pose the broadest it a, brushstrokes. Right. Yes. I would I would pose it a different way. I'm a five. I'm a six point Calvinist. <laughs> I love I love saying that. Um, I'm a five point Calvinist uh, in that I believe in the doctrines of grace as laid out by the uh, by the by the Dutch Council. Um, with that said. Um, the reason I don't like the word Calvinist is because Calvin was a replacement theologian. Now yeah, there's all, all manner. We have to have the the sixth point is the caveats. <laughs> that might be the seventh point. But the point the point is is that uh, Calvin was a uh, was a man and uh, was you know uh, I we've talked a lot and I talk about this in my in my teaching on the doctrines of grace. Uh, the five points of Calvinist of Calvinism were not put forward by Calvin. Right, right. Um, and so uh, let's just be clear about that. Um, I, I, I agree with the five points of Calvinism. However, 
Um, They're I, a good response to the to the five challenges. To the remonstrance. Yeah. Yes, I the love that word. Okay. Um, with all that said, let me just do a quick, uh, not to mention chosen to have the Messiah born through them. Yeah, so Derek, uh, good to see you in the chat room, brother. And we missed you at the ETS this year. Uh, Derek Blumenthal says, not to mention that uh, he's speaking uh, with regard to Israel, uh, not to mention the chosen to have the Messiah born through them. And this is not only true, but also to carry the oracles of God to the nations, right? So there's temporal blessing. And, and I think that this is this opens up an avenue to talk about all sorts of stuff. Because if we start to talk about Israel as the temporal chosen people, okay, that is the nation of Israel as the temporal chosen people, and when I say temporal, I mean this physical world chosen people, then all of a sudden we start to get into the idea of what the temple was for in temporally here, which is to show uh, cleanliness to come into the presence of God here on earth. Now, all this has, all of it is a shadow of what's going on in the heavenly realm, right? And what the Messiah does for us and all these things. This is one of the reasons that I think that in the in the millennium, we see the temple come back and we see sacrifices happen again. It's not so that we can have our sins atoned for from, from the beginning of history, only that the blood of the Messiah did that. Rather, what the temple comes back for is the very, the very thing that it did in, the, in one, of the ver- one of the very first things that it did in the first place, which was to make us temporally clean, to come into a temporal space that is designated as God's space temporally. So, I mean, this conversation of who is Israel is not only a loaded one, but it is a uh, it's 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 loaded in many good ways in that it it expands to all these other aspects of theology. Theology is all connected. Right. So, I mean, we could connect everything from, you know, our, our earlier conversation from the chat room of of the Trinitarian doctrine. And then we can, I mean, this is all connected all the way into the idea of the temporal blessings, the temporal chosen people, the, temp, the temple in our temporal world, and what this means for the millennium. All these things are connected. So, I mean, we could go on for days. But for now, let's keep going uh, in this conversation about um, who did Christ die for? I know that some people would probably balk at the idea that I'm using the word Christ. Christ is the uh, Greek word for Messiah. I interchange quite often, so get used to it. Um, okay, uh, the next one that we're going to look at is 2 Peter 3.9. This is one that's brought up a lot when uh, we talk about this idea that, that the Messiah came, died on the cross for the entire world. It says this, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, so this is um, this is where people will say, see, look, um, God wants everyone to be saved. It's just that they don't accept him. Not everyone accepts him. He wants everyone to be saved, but um, but they just don't accept him. So that God, so in other words, Caleb, what I hear you saying is that God's will is frustrated by people who reject his message. This is the way that I under I don't want to misrepresent the way people anyone. Sometimes but, take it. Is that but this mean? is the way that I, I see other people like take it. Like in other words, if God had it his way. Right. Then everyone would be saved. Everyone would be saved. So I, I've, I've had people, yeah, say that that's what they think that means. So for the answer to this, I'm just gonna I mean, I'll take this one for, for now and, and you can uh, tell okay, me ahead, tell me whether or not you agree or not. Uh, for this I just went back to Second Peter one one. And this is how he titles his letter 
to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Who's he writing to? He's writing to believers. He's not writing to the whole world. He's not saying that everyone should believe. He's talking to people who have already accepted and already have faith. He's talking to and about people who are the elect. So when he says in, in 3.9, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, guess what? To his audience that he's talking to, all will reach repentance. None will perish and none will be snatched out of my hand, right? He says, and I believe that's in John 10 again, right? In John right. 10. Um, so I think that, that the audience that he's talking to is a key factor. Do you have anything you want to say? Well, I would just back to verse. I, I'm glad that you're bringing it to the context of the epistle because we have to know who's being addressed here. But also it says, you know, back to, I think you read NASB, right? The Lord is not slow yes, about his promise. Talking about a promise as some count slowness. Why? Because some people are wondering, believers are wondering, right? why is the Lord tarrying? It's not unbelievers. Unbelievers don't have that kind of, unbelievers aren't challenged with the problem of suffering and why the Lord is waiting and not seeming to respond as quickly as they like. Unbelievers don't have that problem. So this is addressing believers, but is patient toward you. Who's the you, the recipients of the letter, those who believe, and also more broadly, this is a statement of assurity that the timing, God's timing has to do with what it takes to preserve the elect, right? He says, if for the sake of the elect, um, what's the, is it in Matthew? But for the sake of the elect, the time, you're right. Uh, even the elect, in other words, I, I'm butchering it because I, I don't remember the exact verse. But it has to do with God's waiting and, and paid long suffering has to do with what is required for the fullness of the elect to be, uh, to be. Uh, grasp and obtain their inheritance. We, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. For, of all the weeks that you decide not to turn on the chat room, this is the week to do it because we got. I mean, people are no, I'd be are, all over the place. People probably. are on fire right now. Tanner says, I think some refer to it as total inability. That's true. Total depravity is actually the uh, how they re- refer to it in the right, uh, right. In, against the remonstrance in in uh, the Dutch. Okay, here here it is. So unless those days be cut short, no life would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, it will be cut short. In other words. God's timing is perfectly synced with his overall purpose and promise, and which has to do with uh, the salvation of the elect. Right. And, and we might wonder, in, in the larger context of Romans, for example, is, man, you've got believing Jews, you've got believing Gentiles, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> and you've got uh, Jews that haven't accepted. And you've got this tension of like, well, wait a minute. Why are, the, why are not all Israel confessing Yeshua right now. And Hang that's a, a real question. I got a, I got a cough button for you. Go ahead. You can cough all you want. They can't hear you. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, you just said something that sparked, uh, had to do with commandments. And, and does a commandment imply ability? Does, cool. does the fact of God giving a commandment imply that the person receiving the commandment is in fact able to to do it and that's that's a really good question and it gets into a little bit of grammar we don't have to dwell on the grammar but um in grammar there's imperative forms right 
And for example, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay. That is, there's nothing frustrated that, right? Let the earth bring forth vegetation. Boom. And it happened. So you, that's God's will where he commands and there's no difference. And this is the same level of Yeshua telling the blind man, receive your sight. Boom. Or to the deaf and mute, be opened, right? And then he can hear and he can speak again. Or he says to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And he stretches it out and is healed. Okay. In any of those places, without Yeshua's power activating the healing, the blind, just going up to a blind person and says, see, or right. to a deaf mute and say, be opened, that command does not accomplish that, right? Uh, except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lazarus, come forth. Well, uh, he's been dead three days, right? Um, this this kind, Or not only that, you have Yeshua commanding demons, go into the pigs, and they do it, right? Or to the waves in the sea, waves of the sea and the wind, be still, boom, they're still. Okay, that is... <laughs> That's what we're talking about here with with redemption and salvation. There are other times, though, where you have um, things where you have things that are like God's will, like God, like we we learn in Ezekiel. God does not desire the death of the wicked; He does not delight in the death of the wicked. But the death of the wicked is justice, and He desires justice, right? Right. He delights in justice. Um, so th these are just these are examples where. You have well, and another imperative, another imperative is repent. Right. Right. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. And if you look at that, whether it's Yohanan, Hamatbil, John the Baptist or Yeshua, it says, and they were preaching, repent and believe. Well, just everybody in earshot of hearing that being declared, whether it was out in the wilderness or whether it was in the towns that Yeshua was visiting, repent and believe the kingdom, kingdom is at hand. Just because they orally heard it doesn't mean that Yeshua's word did not return to him without accomplishing. Back to Isaiah 55, my word goes out and it accomplishes exactly what I sent it to. That's Isaiah 50, end of Isaiah 55. So if it's John the Baptist or Yeshua and they're preaching repent and you've got 5,000 people there and they all hear the words, not everybody is elect. Right. Not everybody is going to. But what I hear is that people who are saying, well, wait a minute. The individuals, it comes to them like the donut and they look at it and they go, okay, no, thank you. Now from the from the human standpoint, it might look, it, it looks that way. It looks like, oh, you know, they actually kicked it around and they, they uh, chose not to. Well, the thing is that anybody who rejects the gospel is already idolatrizing, idolizing or whatever, things of this world. Right? right. They, they're not, they're sure. not come. It's not like they accurately saw who God was, even though they heard the words and they might have, they, they have a basic picture. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. 
And without the Yeshua's, or that, that back to Genesis 1, that voice where we're talking about God's will of a decree, Lazarus, get up. Yeah. Or to the little girl, Talita Kumi, little girl, get up. Without the command and the working of the power, which is not on the individual. Lazarus wasn't just sitting there, okay, Yeshua said, get up. Am I going to do it or not? You know, or the man, he said, stretch forth your hand. The man in and of himself had no ability to obey Yeshua. He didn't have ability. His hand was withered. The lady with the crooked back, right? Or the blind man. He couldn't just of his own will, okay, I guess Yeshua commanded me to see, and I guess I'm going to agree, and therefore... I guess I'll, I'll start seeing now because I, I decided to obey. It doesn't work that way. Salvation is not that way. It's a gift that happens. Okay, hang on. Hold that thought now because I want to answer a couple of things. The, the uh, chat room has exploded now with multiple different uh, conversations going on, and I want to answer some questions here. Unashamed says, if God already has an elect picked, why not return now if there is no free will? I there is will, there's no free will, and I'll tell you why. Actually, I won't tell you why. Let's uh, let's let Paul tell you why. Uh, in Romans nine twenty two, what if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of His glory? In order, verse twenty three, in order to make known the riches of His glory. For vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. The answer is the, uh, this whole thing is for God's glory. All yeah, of we it can't is for presume God's glory. to know all the reasons. And that's why he ends Romans Romans eight with uh, an amazing doxology of like, yeah. But one thing he says: nothing can separate you from Messiah. <laughs> if you belong to Messiah, you are a new creation. You are. Abraham's seed, your heirs according to the promise. And that's, it's a, it, it's a done deal. So someone's asking about, uh, monolism, Molinism, sorry, Molinism. Um, I'll get back to you on that. I don't want to mix up my, uh, my, my theologies here. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Molinism, uh, open theism? Or something leaning that way. Let me let it me go be. back and 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 refresh my memory on on the inner workings of Molinism. I had to study this in. in can school. we? Okay. Can I go back to that? So back to Yeshua. Stilling the waters, right, or calming the winds. Okay. Or healing a blind man, or telling a, a person who a paralytic get up, carry your bed, and walk, and then they get up and do it. Okay. Yeshua says, what's harder in a couple of these in the synoptics, what's more difficult to say your sins are forgiven or to heal the blind person or to tell the paralytic. And the idea is it's the same, it's the same level of authority for Yeshua right. to say your sins are forgiven means it's, it's a deal just as much as the paralytic all of a sudden, not of his own choice, but because Yeshua declared it. So he commanded him, get up and walk. And he gave up, got up and walk. That's what forgiveness is like. That's what redemption in Messiah is. It's like a light. It's like God comes and the let there be light. I think in second Corinthians, Paul says like, just like where God said, let there be light and there was light. So he said into the heart of someone who is in dead and trespass of sin, he said, let there be light. <clears throat> and there was light. And that person hears and they believe. 
and it's not a it there's no rational there's no pre-rational evaluation of whether or not to believe the regeneration happens by the holy spirit faith is the first fruit of that uh work of the holy spirit right and then then there's a life of discipleship and learning of choose 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 good turn from sin choose what is holy reject impurity right i mean and then there's the instruction of the person who learns now as a new creation to walk and grow in 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 the spirit and and to be a godly fruitful uh human you know in the image of god that's that's a, a core a core piece there are a few times where god commands things that are totally obviously unable to do like where abraham he says abraham count the stars if you're able to count them well abraham can't count all the stars but God tells him to. Now, this, this is not like a commandment like the Ten Commandments, which we'll get to in a sec. But another would be at the feeding, one of the, I think it's the feeding of the 5,000, right? The disciples come up and says, there's all these people and they're hungry. And Yeshua says, give them something to eat. He com- That's a command form. Give them something to eat. And they're like, uh, we only have, you know, okay, Lord, you're, you're Lord of all, you know, but we only have this. And then he blesses them and then, and then he does it. He he shows how they actually are able now to do what he told them to do. But there's a moment there where they're like, uh, okay, I'm not sure we can. <clears throat> when we get to things like the commandments in the Torah, particularly if we just look at the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words, they're not imperatives. Right. Lo yihyeh. It's not al yihyeh. It's not there will not it's not uh, there and it has to do with the word shall in in 16th century english it's totally appropriate to say thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not commit adultery but in our day and age shall has it's it's kind of drifted in its semantic meaning it doesn't mean don't kill it's not an imperative form. <clears throat> it's a, you will not. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, sorry, it's the creamer I had in my coffee this morning, I think. Well, hang on just a second. Maybe, you will maybe, not. Wait, hang kill. on. Hang on just... It's covenant term. It's covenant language. Right. You will. It's terms of a covenant. Because I've heard it said I've, a few different Oh, well, God would never command something to somebody that they could do implying that a commandment must wouldn't be given unless the person was totally able. And I've heard a anti, uh, you know, a, a anti Christian missionary, Jewish person, anti Christian missionary saying, well, that would be like God going to a paralytic who's at the beginning of a race and get, and get up and run the race, get up and run the race. And then him just not being able to get up and run like God, you know, that's the way they, they think of that. Um, so hey, arguing I, for free will. I want to go back for a second. Um, because you know, you, you're talking about, you're using the analogy that Paul uses, or that I'm sorry, you're using the analogy of the, the dead person, right? And, and Yeshua calling forth the dead person. Um, well, Paul uses another one as well, right? Within Romans, he uses 
Um, and I love I love that uh, Sean just accused us of of twisting. Uh, he he's referencing us to Second uh, Peter three sixteen that we're twisting the words of Paul. Um, which okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, Paul uses a different a, a, so a, 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 a di- I know right different mm-hmm. analogy, which is slavery. You're either slave to sin or you're slave to to uh, to righteousness. Um, you know, does a slave have the the ability to do whatever they want? No. They're a slave. Um, so uh, it, it's an interesting conversation, and and it's one that's much bigger than what we can can talk about here. I took two hours uh, in in Ontario to discuss just well. I mean, I do a brief overview of, of all of them, but I look specifically at the wording of um, of the golden chain. Which, by the way, Sean, I would encourage you to try to uh, to, to respond. So, to. what's the pushback there from that guy? From Sean? Yeah. Oh, he's because I don't have it open. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's essentially. Uh, you know, he he uh, is going to quote. Uh, when the righteous person turns away from the, his righteousness and commits wickedness, he will die because of oh, it. Oh, Ezekiel eighteen thirty three. He's oh, okay thirty three eighteen. Yeah. It's in it's in Ezekiel eighteen too. I think there's twice. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's look at Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel. Had, we have two different scenarios. You have a scenario where you ha- the issue first is whether a son pays for the sins of the father, right? And and he's he's what he says. No, the soul that sins will die. Right, the soul that sins will die. That's the that's the core port part there. And so then he says, well, let's say there's a righteous man, and he uh he does you know he 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 does all these things that that are righteous and then all of a sudden he changes and he starts he acts wickedly ezekiel instructs us and says none of the there's no merit (laughs) that he gets he doesn't have this credit card or, or no not even a credit card the bank account yeah there's no bank account of of good that now can somehow save him when now now he's in sin no, if he sins, he's going to die in his sin. Then he then he gives the other example of well, let's say there's a, a sinner who does all this wickedness, and then he turns and starts doing righteousness. He will live. Okay, that's what Ezekiel is pointing out, and that's absolutely true. The question is, <laughs> the two examples. We learned from Yeshua's teaching: the first man who did righteousness and then stopped and then was wicked. He never was, that was, he, that was all outward. He was truly, that, that was outward. He was never saved. That was not work of the Holy Spirit. The, on the flip side, the person who was a sinner and repents, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's no, there's no confusion here. Uh, so Sean says, slaves can say no. Uh, slaves can choose not to. That's what curses are for. Yeah, this this shows. I mean, honestly, no. A sl- pa- pa- you don't pa- know what a slave is. Yeah, a slave pa- doesn't have any pro- personal property. Pa- uh, but beyond that, the, Paul, Paul is pa- Paul is Paul is using a specific analogy. It's not that slaves can do whatever they want. This is twisting Paul. Paul is trying to say that you are either a slave, which means you have no choice, to sin and wickedness, and he proves this throughout the rest of Romans. That you're either a slave to, to a wickedness and sin, or you're a slave to righteousness. Well, Yeshua says in John, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Right. So, I mean, 
the the idea that uh, that Paul is using this as a sliding scale of oh yeah, yeah it's uh, you, you know no we we are uh, we're slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness and yeah, I mean, we're not our own masters exactly that, that's, that's another, his point I, I, in that's some of Paul's these discussions point. it uh, it's it reminds me as if back to the donut thing like each person is a is like this sovereign neutral rat fully rational person and then god puts the donut there or or, or gives some information uh, it's like this pure information and then what they do is they evaluate it and then they kind of toss it around and then they decide they make this official choice that's the key word a free will choice to accept or reject and and then that's if they choose rightly now they are saved. Um, and that's, I, I think that's such a wrong, there's nothing in scripture even close to that. What Yeshua teaches rather is to him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. That, that's, that's the most concise explanation for the Ezekiel 18 or 33. The person who acted righteously and then they, end up turning to sin and they die in sin they never had anything what even what they thought they had was taken away from them the person who was in sin and was given the gift of repentance and then changed their life around for the rest of their life that person was given and they were given more they they owned they owned it they were given it they they owned it their life bore the fruits of the spirit and that person will live. It's it's the simple thing. Um, so the question is: Is faith a gift, or is faith a work that a neutral party chooses to do to show that now they are um, they are now entering in to the community of of the elect. Well what, then you then you have to just question the whole world elect the whole word elect. Though. This this is this is an interesting argument from people who are are Torah uh, pursuing or Torah observant believers. And the reason why is because so much time is spent looking into the Torah where we see time and time and time and time again not just on a national level but on a personal level God choosing people before they were ever born. Let me ask you this, which is the doctrine of grace? Let's ask our friends in the chat room who, who are balking at this. Do you think that, I, uh, that Isaac had a choice? Abraham chooses Ishmael. He says, Lord, let Ishmael be the one. And what does God say? No. He says no. Not a chance. I haven't chosen him. I have chosen Isaac. Was that fair? Did Isaac have a that, choice? Well, Isaac, it, Isaac hadn't even been conceived yet. I know, exactly. And he was given a name and and. He said, I will maintain my covenant with him, him and his right. seed after him, right. which is we already know he's going to choose. There's going to be God already knows there's going to be twins and he's going to choose Jacob and reject Esau. Right. So. This is all if anybody's given this free of will, how can you say either? How can you say Abraham, Isaac or Jacob have free will? And if you read Genesis, what is that? Genesis 17. 18 and 19. Yeah, Genesis 17. Sean says, wait, Sean says, I can turn from my own righteousness if I choose to. You don't have any righteousness. 
Oh, that's brutal, man. I'll tell you why. Imagine, imagine if you're married. I don't know if you're married or not, Sean. He is. But, but who, who would say to their spouse, honey, I love you. I could leave you any moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I could leave you any day. You know, that's brutal. That is, that, that is brutal. And the, the Ruach HaKodesh does not talk that way. <laughs> that would, that's, that's, uh, so I, I would consider, uh, yeah, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's always a heated argument and a, a fun one at that. I think. Um, I'll tell I mean, you what: if if a person is part of Yeshua's flock, right, the person who has the voice to the Father, I could reject your ways any time. I don't know how much God's going to build what He's going to build with you, because to him who has more will be given, is meaning He's going to build with you. He's going to put you to work for the kingdom because you you show competency and maturity in the training that he's trained you in and you're dependable. It means like I give this to this person and it's solid. I don't have to, you know, it's I can build with that. But the person who's like wishy-washy, doctrine-wise and all this, it's like, you know what? It's like you're, a, you're out in a boat out in the middle of the ocean and there's a storm and you don't have a rudder and you don't have a keel and you're just being tossed around. Um, that person's not going to, God's not going to do anything with that person. Well, we certainly have gotten the, uh, gotten the ch- chat room, uh, up and up and talking. It's uh, this is a, a fantastic conversation. Um, you know, and once again, my stance I think is, is put pretty clear in, uh, the new teaching that'll come out on the doctrines of grace and uh, I focus specifically on the golden chain, which is uh, Romans. It's the last verses in, in Romans 8. Um, I, I think that it's pretty clear that, that uh, God has chosen the elect. And uh, this is the way that this is, uh, is usually combated by those who go against a doctrines of grace model or, or take a free will model, uh, maybe is a better way to say it, is that Paul is writing to a nation and not to individuals. I think that there are significant significant problems with this, uh, even within the text itself and in the surrounding text and and what Paul is saying. And then especially if you go to Ephesians, right? Um, uh, Paul is, is, speaks in Ephesians constantly about predestination. He even uses the word predestination several times. He talks about um, uh, while we were still dead in our trespasses, right? God mm-hmm. <laughs> being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he showed us did not you know so he talks about all these things and someone told me one time oh it's talking about the nation of israel he's writing to the ephesians and he says several times you are gentiles yeah formerly gentiles formerly here's here's another thing this is all about because we've talked about god revealing his character over time at the second giving of the tablets right right before moses intercedes for israel right this is right after the golden calf and he said he reveals his name and he says, show me your glory. You know, that passage in Exodus 33. What does he say to him? He says, I will proclaim the name of Adonai before you, the name of Yotevavi before you. And he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Right. In other words, that's part of his name. The structure of that is the same as Asher I will be what I will be. He is sovereign and and self-determined 
and he seeks no counsel from humans as to what he's going to do covenant-wise in terms of this, uh, this Abrahamic covenant. He, like we said, they're, they're, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, each one of us, like, like he says, like the stars in the sky are, if you're, if you're in Yeshua, you are part of that promise and that God knew you from the beginning. He did not, he didn't like foreknow what you would choose and then decide, okay, look, uh, in my foreknowledge, I can see Rob's going to be a wicked guy. So he's not part of the elect or I, in my foreknowledge, I can see Rob's going to choose well. And so therefore, no, because in Romans nine, Paul makes it clear that the choosing of Jacob over Esau was not based on works. They were not, they had not been born because it has nothing to do with, with deeds done good or bad, but on the the sole choice of God. And that's back and it's anchored in the revelation of the name. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. In other words, if, if God shows you grace, that's was not earned back to Noah, for example, wasn't earned. That is favor with that has no merit, no basis in any kind of merit. And it's real. It's not pretend it's not the option to receive God's grace. It's real blessing. And that is so core. Can we can we finish with Gematria time? I, you probably don't even have the, I know we're going late. Let's see if we have, hang on just a sec. Let's see if we have. I just got, it's just, it's just like, there's so many good words. I don't have, uh, I don't have your music, but what I might have, well, I have other music. Okay. No, you're going to okay. have to, you're going to have to do it without music. That was spontaneous. Okay, so well, hang on just a second. Let's start it with this instead. We'll start it with this. Weights and measures. <laughs> so just to change the tune. So it's 246, you said. Right? This is show 246. Okay, right. so there's some good words here like Gabriel or Gavriel, right? The name Gabriel, who in the book of Daniel is called the Ish. He's a man, but he's also an angel, right? Gabriel. Um, Haolam Yafe. The world is beautiful, right? That adds up to 246. Um, uh, Hafetz Chaim, desiring life from the, uh, we see that in the Proverbs. Um, here's a, another good one, 246. Arye Yehuda, Lion of Judah. Uh, here's another one. Kotzim, Kotzim is thorns, because a kotz is a thorn. Kotzim. And then uh, another good one is Midbar. Midbar, which is the word for desert. So, for those of you who are like into gematria, you can take those and, and make a story or something. But okay, it wasn't that fun. I never, uh, you know, <laughs> gematria is never fun for me, to be honest with you. It's but. just a, this is not disclaimer. This is just to show that there's tons of words that you, know, you can find. I, okay, hang on. Now, this is happening. This is not an endorsement of I, I, Gematria as a hermeneutical. I have uh, to say this about, I have to say this about both sides of the argument. The, those who agreed with us and those who didn't in the chat room. Okay, we're going back. Hang on. <laughs> when you just say to someone, you should read, you know, oh, you, you should read Romans, you know, 9 through 11 or Ezekiel. Like, like the person on who's who who you're making the comment to has never read these passages. This is an argument that we hear all the time in 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 the Torah observant uh, communities, right? 
Oh, go read Galatians. I hear this all the time. Have you ever read Galatians? Yes, I've read Galatians. Are you kidding me? I would I've... say what translation? Are you... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've read it in Greek several times. I'm sure that Sean has read Romans 9. He clearly has misunderstood it, but uh, that's not the point. I'm sure he's read Romans 9 before. And you know what, uh, Sean, we've read Ezekiel. I, I, I mean, come on. Are you, are you saying that you think that we haven't read Deuteronomy 6 or that we haven't read Ezekiel? And are people suggesting that, no, obviously people, you know, hang on just a sec, let me finish this. We have to assume that the people that are, that we're debating with have some knowledge of the scriptures. Otherwise, come on. The, the point is, is that yes, people have read these, these passages, they've just misunderstood them. So the point is, is that we need to try to let people understand our, our position on why we believe. And basically the way that I take it is that we have to see all scripture lining up together. To say that we have free will, I've never said that we don't have will, just that we don't have free will. And so, I mean, the idea that uh, that we choose God is just not seen in Scripture, if you want it to line up with yeah. the rest of Scripture. Apart from the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, no one chooses God ever. No one ever chooses obedience to God. What they choose, so in other words... You, they might go to 31 flavors and have a bunch of different choices, but none of them are the truth. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in a human, no one chooses the things of God. Yeah, I agree. Okay, this this conversation can keep going. I would encourage everyone who thinks that we're just totally out to lunch to go ahead and uh, keep your eyes on the Torah Resource site for my uh, Doctrines of Grace teaching. It... Even if you're going to disagree with it, which I'm sure you probably will, at least it'll set up my argument so that you'll kind of know where I'm coming from. Um, when you just hear, I'm sure, you know, in an hour and 20 minute long broadcast, it's hard to understand all of the nuances. I mean, once again, I just look at the golden chain. It's not even it's you know, I, I look at a lot of other passages as well, but it's focusing on one scripture and it takes me two hours to do it. So the point is, is that there's a lot going on here. I understand that there's a lot from the other side. I used to hold to a free will model. I held to a free will model for 31 years of my life um, and I fought for it tooth and nail. Um, and I've studied a significant amount about it, and and so I understand the various arguments. But, Caleb, um, people say that, oh, I was a Calvinist for... I'm not saying that that you know, makes my opinion... And they'll say, and I, I saw the light, and now I'm no longer a Calvinist. I'm, so not, that, I, I'm not trying to say that to say that I, I uh, know better than you do. That's not the point I'm making by saying that. What I'm saying is that I understand the arguments that are being being put forward. I understand the nuances of both sides of the argument, is what I'm saying, is that... I know that the passages that are being brought up, I know why they're being brought up because I used to I used to pose the same passages. I'm I'm not saying that that makes my opinion better than your opinion. I'm just saying that I understand the nuances and this is why uh, teaching like the doctrines of grace which will be coming out might shed some more light on my position is because I try to look at the at both positions and see how both positions work for or against each other and how they work within scripture. That's the point. And I will openly say that uh, the uh, that the people in Ontario where I went and presented these two lectures, I did not change. It's not like everyone walked out saying, oh, my word, Caleb changed my my view. Now I'm a, now I believe in the doctrines of grace. I'm I don't believe that you're just going to the people who hold to <laughs> hold to a free will model are going to watch my two part series and be like, oh, of course. 
uh, yes, we should have been holding to this the whole time. No, that's not my point at all. What my what my goal in in those lectures is to do is to is to build a foundation of this is where I believe this this group is coming from, and this is where I'm coming from. Now that you understand where I believe these people are coming from, and where you believe I'm coming from, now we can have a, a better conversation because you'll already know where I'm coming from on certain portions of scripture, and what I, you know some we'll have some groundwork laid already. That's basically so that we can have a better conversation. That's the point. Okay, we hope that you've enjoyed this. We had a lot more to talk about, so I uh, for our supporters, I would keep your your eyes uh, open for uh, new additions to Messiah Matters More. And, um, yeah, join us next week as we talk about, oh man, we got a lot to talk about next week and don't forget to, uh, keep your eyes on the producerships. If you want to renew your producer, uh, credit, or if you want to start a new producer credit and, or if you want to support the show, we sure appreciate it. And yeah, man, season six off to a very strong start. Uh, and we hope that this season will do one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. <laughs>